everybody. Welcome to a true crime paranormal pop-up. I am your host, Christy Brower, and I'm happy to be here with you on this Saturday evening. As you know, I like to pop up around here on Saturday evenings with a with a short uh, show, just a, a quick little case that I want to share with you. Tonight's case is one that was suggested to me by one of our listeners and a friend of mine. And it is not a case that I was familiar with at all, but it is a weird one and one that I thought that you might enjoy. And you may be familiar with this case. Hey, Deb. Hey, Cammy. Welcome, guys. So glad to see you. If you're uh, joining me live, you're welcome to jump into the chat. If you're not welcome as well, I appreciate having you all here with me. Tonight, we're going to talk about the disappearance and death of three-year-old Jared Atadero. May or may not have been familiar with this case. I was not until just this weekend, actually. So this happened on October 2nd, 1999. So this was in Colorado. And this was... uh, Jared and his sister Jocelyn were with their dad, Alan Atadero. Alan and his brother Arlen owned at the time the Poudre River Resort, which is in Colorado. So about 10 o'clock in the morning on October 2nd of 1999, there was a Christian Singles Network of 11 people. Remember the Christian Singles Network? Anyway dating myself there, right? Uh, 11 people from the Christian Singles Network were staying there at the resort and they decided to take a hike on the Big South Trail. So that was about 15 miles west of the resort and they were 60 miles west of Fort Fort Collins, Colorado, if you're kind of wondering where this place is. So the children wanted to go on the hike. Now, Dad Allen did not go on the hike But he said he knew quite a few of the people who were going on the hike quite well, and he gave permission for them to go. And there was one particular adult in this group who was going to keep a close eye on the kids. Uh, So they started hiking up uh, this Big South Trail. Well, they went up to the Big South Trail. So they parked at the trailhead and they're walking up the trail and apparently the group kind of starts to spread out. Some people are going faster. Some people are going slower. And there's this one adult that's supposed to be with Jared and Jocelyn. So this was not necessarily the kind of trail you would want to take a small child. Fairly dangerous, quite a few. um, There were fall areas where there could be falls. There was loose shale. there was a river nearby. So it was kind of a difficult trail and maybe one that wasn't the best choice to take a child on, although hindsight 2020. So around 1130 AM, so an hour and a half into the hike, there were two men fishing and they were about a mile and a half up the trail from the main group of hikers. So quite a ways away, I would say. They talked to Jared. So they were near campsite two along the 
trail. And Jared came up to them and asked if there were any bears around. They told Jared that there weren't, and then they went on fishing, and they just figured that Jared was going to meet up with the rest of the group. They could see some of the hikers on their way up, could see some of them. So they had some idea that at least there were some adults around for him. They're actually the last known people to see Jared alive, which, again, if this were my three-year-old, what the hell's going on here, you guys, right? So at about 12.15, so this is 45 minutes after the fishermen saw him, the group of hikers realized that they can't find Jared. He's missing. They have no idea where he is. So they start searching for him and they search along the trail for him for about an hour. Some of the hikers go back to the lodge to let Alan, Jared's dad, know, hey, we can't find your son. He drives to the trail and he looks for another hour. Can't find him anywhere. Some of the members of the hiking party do report having, remember hearing a scream and Sister Jocelyn says that she also heard it. She says that it sounded like someone was like playing tag with him. And she seemed to think that it was, in fact, Jared's uh, voice. So some of the people had just kept going on up the trail, thinking maybe he was just way ahead of them and they were just going to come across him. They never did. And they went way up, like 15, 16 miles up the trail, and they still did not find him. So after several hours of looking, about 4 p.m., Alan goes back to the lodge to call 911. And so then this sort of sets off a... Um, a set of events, you know, this, they, um, the police are report, um, excuse me, the police are notified and then search and rescue is notified that there may need to be, um, a search for somebody. So this is all, this is all happening in the late afternoon by 6 30 PM. There are searchers up there at the big South trailhead, about 65 search and rescue people. And they search from the lower and upper trailhead. Um, and they don't find any sign of Jared. So this is at 8 p.m. So they decide, um, you know, some of them are going to stay and search overnight. They decide that they need to get a helicopter in to help them search. And so they plan on having a helicopter at first light. So they, you know, they're searching and searching and searching. And then a really crazy thing happens. So an Air Force helicopter comes from uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. It stops in Fort Collins to refuel. So by about 3.30 in the afternoon, the helicopter gets up there to search for Jared. Unfortunately... The helicopter, because it was 
it had a big fuel load. It had just refueled and the mountain was pretty steep. The helicopter stalled out and fell about a hundred feet and crashed um, up on basically on the big south trail. So there were four people on board and um, they, they all survived, but they were hurt pretty significantly. And so not only are they trying to find this three-year-old kid, but they're trying to deal with this crashed helicopter and the injured people who were aboard the helicopter and they are trying to get them out on air ambulances and you know so in the midst of finding this trying to find this little boy the helicopter that shows up crashes it's just, this this is insane so that day um they get no help from a helicopter whatsoever obviously and it really complicates the search like it takes some of the people away from the search for jared when they have to go help with the crashed helicopter so by day three uh searchers are like going way up the steep banks up the shale side hills they're searching along the river um they do get um another helicopter in um trying to help but there are these winds they call them swirling winds that are making it difficult for the helicopter to fly over and so that helicopter does not crash fortunately but does go back to fort collins and still can't help them uh so they just keep searching and searching and searching and they get about 200 trade searchers out there. You know, they have all these people who just want to come and help, but they're really ill-equipped. And this is really high and rough terrain. And it doesn't really help for people who just keep trying to show up to help that aren't that much help. Um, they do start bringing in dog teams and professional trackers. They bring in a dive team and they do finally get a plane that can fly um around the mountaintop and this happens between October 5th and October 7th they don't find anything like nothing they find zero evidence of Jared at all so then on October 8th of 99 they suspend the search at 7 p.m they worked for eight days they found nothing including um the dogs dogs that were you know being used like they didn't find a thing and that was really difficult you know they let the family know hey you know we feel like at this point we've done everything we can we're going to keep investigating his disappearance but we can't keep searching because we've searched everywhere and there's really we can't find anything they never found a single thing during that time so basically they just move on with the fact that this kid is missing right so then in june of 2003 two men rob osborne and gareth watts had been hiking up through that area 
And whenever they hiked up through there, they had kind of this idea in the back of their heads that this little boy had gone missing up there. And so they were kind of always keeping their eye out for anything that would, you know, indicate something about this little kid. But they were, they hiked up there all the time. Like they had hiked everywhere through there and they had never seen anything that would indicate anything to do with this little boy. So on, uh, let's see. So on 6-5, as they're hiking around, you know, still kind of with this little kid in the back of their head, and they hike up off the trail. Um, they hiked up about 550 feet higher than the last place that he had been seen. And they find some clothes. They find some shoes and they find um, a fleece jacket and some blue sweatpants that had been turned inside out. And one of the pant legs had been kind of chewed up and taken by um, birds and probably like little mice and stuff. They were taking the fabric to use for their nests. And so they, they take pictures of the clothes and they take the pictures to the Larimer County Sheriff's Office and they send, the Sheriff's Office sends those pictures on to Alan Adadero, Jared's dad. And he says, yep, these are Jared's clothes. So at this point, there's no sign of Jared. There's no sign of his body, but they do have his clothes. And one of the things that these two hikers say is that this place where they found those clothes had been searched over and over again. They'd searched it. Other people had searched it. At the time this little kid went missing, these things were not there. Absolutely not. This was a place that had been searched over and over again. The other thing that seemed weird is that the shoes were in good condition. The shoes didn't look like they had been sitting out in the weather for three and a half years like they didn't look like that at all you know how shoes would they would break down and discolor and that kind of thing they didn't they looked like they'd been worn recently or they had been kept somewhere where they were not you know getting weathered so they thought that was kind of weird considering how long this child had been missing so the next day some uh searchers come up to see where they found the clothes and then on June 14th, this is still in 2003, uh, they go searching for anything else to do with Jared. You know, they haven't found a body. They haven't found any bones. They haven't found anything to try to, but they're trying to, you know, determine is his body up here. So in a crevice, they find a fragment of a skull and a tooth and they're just sort of laying there in kind of weirdly like a piece of skull and a tooth they don't seem to like there's no other bones there's nothing else laying there they're just these two things almost like they'd been sat there 
So um, they did, in fact, determine that the skull and the tooth belonged to Jared. So this was a part of his body. People were very blown away by this because these are places that had been searched repeatedly at the time that he went missing. They're just, it was really difficult to understand if he had had a fall or, you know, been taken by an animal. There would have been a lot of talk of him being taken by a mountain lion. Um, but the reality of that was that, um, yeah, dogs would have found the clothes, right, Deborah? They would have. They would have found the clothes. Also, um, mountain lions bury their kills, and they also wouldn't have, a mountain lion would not have removed his clothes nor turned his pants inside out. Also, why didn't his shoes look like they'd been sitting outside for three and a half years? There were a lot of questions. And there was also a lot of desire to just say, okay, it was an animal, it was a it was a mountain lion, you know, it's a really sad thing, but we're done. Um, the thing is, there was nothing on the clothing that indicated a mountain lion. There were no mountain lion hairs, no DNA, no blood, nothing like that. And you would expect that there would be. There's actually no blood on the clothes at all, which you would also expect that there would be, right? So also mountain lions, when they attack, like if they were to attack a small human, they go for the stomach and his jacket would have been shredded and the top of his pants. But guess what? They weren't. So there were a lot of things about this case um, that just don't make any sense. And so I decided to do a little work on it and read this case. So there's no official conclusion on this case. They haven't concluded that it was a mountain lion attack because there's no evidence that it actually was, but that's kind of the idea. No, there was no blood on the clothes. The clothes had no blood, right? I do feel in, in doing, I, I've just done some psychic work on this case before I came on the air, and I do feel that Jared was actually abducted, that he was taken by a person who got him down off that mountain. I do feel like he lived for about two days. I do feel like that person actually held his clothes for a while and that his body was buried, but not there, not there where he went missing, but somewhere else his body was buried. And I feel like the person that took him really wanted law enforcement to know that this was a kidnapping. They didn't like, you know, I don't think it was someone the family knew. There were several campsites along that trail. And I feel this was someone in one of those campsites that they grabbed Jared and that they subdued him immediately. Um, 
but I do feel like they wanted someone to know what they've done and that they've placed the clothes and the partial skull and the tooth intentionally in the hopes that they would eventually be found, which obviously they were because people were still looking for this little kid for years because he just basically disappeared out of thin air. Well, no one disappears out of thin air. And a three-year-old child does not disappear on their own, you know, not up that high, you know, that he wasn't right near the water where he could have disappeared into the water, obviously. And if he had, his clothes would never have been found, you know, his skull would never have been found. I absolutely believe that he was abducted by a human being, that he died of a blunt force trauma injury, which is why his skull was in fragments. And after he'd been buried for a couple of years, a piece of his skull and his tooth were actually placed up there along with his clothes in the intention, with the intention that they wanted law enforcement to know what they had done. And, you know, some people, some criminals, they want some acknowledgement of what they've done. And this, I feel very much that this was the situation here because they could have, they got him out of there. This is someone who knew that area very well. There were roads along the way that could connect to that trail if you knew where to go. And I feel like he could have never, no one had ever known, well, no one would have ever known what had happened to this child because he took him away from there. But the clothes and the bone and tooth were placed intentionally to get attention. That happened in 2003. There has never been anyone identified to be involved. Some people truly believe maybe this was like a paranormal kind of a thing. You know, I don't feel that's true at all. I feel like this was very much perpetrated by a living human being. Very unfortunately. Deborah says he might have struggled as they took his pants off and they would come off inside out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there are lots of theories around Jared's disappearance but I truly do, my, my true sense of this is that he was abducted by a human being and that he was already a rather neglected child. The whole situation here is so strange to me that you would send your three-year-old and six-year-old on a hike up a mountain with some people they sort of knew. Very strange, very strange on the part of the family to make that choice to begin with. But I do absolutely believe that he was abducted and that his, his clothes and um, parts of his body being left up there were done intentionally to get attention. And unfortunately, they still didn't get the attention that they wanted because law enforcement had still never classified this as a kidnapping even. They have it's basically un, uh, unknown at this point because they don't have enough of the body to understand how he died. And, you know, they can't prove that it was a mountain lion. I think they pretty much disproved that it was a mountain lion. So anyway, for those of you that have wondered what happened to poor little Jared, um, because what a sad story it is. But that is my take on Jared Atadero.
I just want to say thank you very much for joining me if you've been here with me this evening live. And if you're listening after the fact, thank you for joining me as well. We will be back on Monday as usual with our new cases and our case updates and all the good stuff that we always do. Yes, this is a very sad case. No matter the outcome, it's a sad case. What a terrible situation this little child went through. But I want to say thanks for joining me tonight. As you know, we are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here and have a great night.